0: Four losses in a row for the Indiana Pacers, whose defense is falling apart, whose communication is not there, and they have a lot to figure out. We'll talk about it all today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Tuesday, y'all, and welcome into another edition of the Lacton Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today, four straight losses for the Pacers. Yikes, they are not playing well. Their tone after the game suggests that they get it, they know it, they've got to be better, but they're not. They have lost four games in a row for a reason, and the defensive side of the ball, of course, to blame, as it is almost, in fact, I would say every single time the Pacers have lost a game this season, 151 by the Clippers, and that's the third highest for a Pacers opponent this season with the Hawks and Celtics zooming over that. What went wrong for the Pacers in this game, short of everything, Um, what's going on with Team slowing down Halbert, and all of a sudden, what went right? Shots of Ben Mather and Isaiah Jackson. And I have to hold myself accountable sometimes. I got some rotation predictions wrong before the season, and I want to talk about it and why I did not correctly predict who would be playing and how much, because I think it'll be an interesting exercise in what the Pacers are doing and why they're making the choices they are making. We start, of course, with Pacers Clippers, where the Clippers destroyed. The Pacers won 51-127 the final score. The Pacers were ahead after the first quarter. They were ahead for most of the second quarter. And then the Clippers were so much better than them for the final 30 minutes of this game. It wasn't even close. Clippers' lead got up to 33 late in the fourth quarter of this game. So uh, caveat numero uno. Clippers shot 50% from three. The last two Pacers opponents have shot 50% or better from three. That's ridiculous. You're not going to win playing a team that shoots 50% from three. You just lose when that happens. But the Pacers are kind of doing it to themselves, right? Like their defense is allowing these open shots, and you don't expect teams to shoot that well, but they're making it as easy as possible, right? Like Ben Matherin, I think, used the perfect word. The presence is not there for the Pacers defensively. And it hasn't been all season. Their defense is just just terrible for most of the season and they know they need to fix it. Like Carlisle's talking about it after the game. He's a part of the, the issues here too, right? And they've gotta take responsibility for their poor defense, but the the stretch recently, like it's really interesting to look at this four-game losing streak. Uh, after tonight's games, Pacers have fallen back behind the Charlotte Hornets. They are 29th in defense again, a percentage points head of the Wizards for dead last. So that's not good. Um, their presence is not good. They're not doing the right stuff. I just mentioned everything that is going poorly, but they, They just have to, have to, have to find a way to be a little better. So here's the thing about this losing streak and all these teams putting up big nights and beating the Pacers by double digits. I thought they would lose to the Bucs. I predicted so before the season, right? Especially with the in-season tournament run, the come down from that emotionally is tough. Like they played Detroit in the first game, they could win that. But Minnesota, end of a road trip on a back-to-back. Like, that's about as scheduled as a the loss as there is. And that was before the season when I predicted the Pacers would lose that. We didn't even know at the time Minnesota was going to be amazing, right? And then coming back home, playing a good Clippers team, who we didn't know would have James Harden, it's still like a road game because there's travel leading into it. I predicted a loss there. Those three, like, were expected results to me. But the problems are two – there's two things that make this losing streak extremely problematic, especially with the defense. Thing one is they've given up a ton of points in these games, right? They look – they have looked terrible defensively in these games. So it's not just like that they lost. Like it's not like they lost by a few points, right? It's not like they lost by two, three, four, whatever. And you could talk about late-game execution or like if they just scored a little more, the defense wouldn't have mattered. All that is true in some cases, but certainly not the case. Uh, in this stretch, 127 for Minnesota who did not score well in the first half, 151 for the Clippers, 137 for the Wizards, 140 for the Bucs, right, so that's weird, and a problem certainly, and I think that what makes that so weird to me is, and part of what I've talked about, oh, and the other thing about the losing streak, sorry, they lost the Wizards, if they just beaten the Wizards, the, at least the vibes would be good, right, they could feel like, yeah, we're not playing great, but like, we weren't supposed to beat these teams, but we beat the teams we're supposed to be or 14 and 11 like, okay. Instead they're 13 and 12, and just like, oh my gosh, they can't beat or stop anybody. So they have to improve on defense. Duh, we know that. The thing that makes it strange to me right now is, and there's like reasons for this, and they're not good reasons. It's still like bad that the Pacers are having these things happen to them. Is they in the in season tournament, right? The Celtics game that they won, they defended like fine. At times in that game, would they give up 112? I, I should have it up, right? Like, Dad stretches in that game. You're like, it's not great, but this is like a clear step forward defensively. Uh, this is the most damning with fate praise thing I've ever said out loud, but like, they, they did climb defensively in early December, right? They went from last to like third to last. And that, that's not a compliment, that's just a fact that happened. And they were like, doing a little better right and against the Bucks they did a little better and against the Lakers it was they got oversized pretty badly and gave up 123 but like you could tell like the efforts there, defensive presence is there like some meaningful things are happening defensively in a way that you think maybe they're turning the corner from terrible to like bad you know and that's not good but that's a step forward that they needed and I was thinking about that because I kept hearing people talk about it when they would talk about the Pacers Right, and I thought that was interesting. Gave up one ten, or excuse me, one fourteen to Portland. Like there were some decent defensive games in that run up. One nineteen to the Bucks. I, I don't have to run through all of them, but you get it. And then that's all gone. Like the goodwill built up from those games has already evaporated. There there is no reason to ever think that they will, at least as it stands, climb up from where they are defensively. We have over of a quarter season of evidence that this is just what they are, and they don't have a long stretch of sustained good play in them. They have a three-game stretch, four-game stretch of it. So against the Clippers, who they played tonight, this concern is back, and they're going to have a practice now on Tuesday, certainly to address some of this stuff. But You could just hear it tonally, right? Like Rick Carlisle was talking about responsibility and energy and effort and potentially tweaking things so that they always have more energy and effort on the floor whether that's lineups whether that's how they prep for games and that's on him he admitted that right like lots of stuff could be changes he said the lineup board, like that is always a sign of like we're thinking uh, we realize how bad we are like we realize we've got to fix something here right Tyrese Halberton, who had his worst offensive game of the season as well we'll talk about that said I can't play like this on a consistent basis he knows that he used to be better. He said this on both ends, right? Everybody on the Pacers struggled defensively in this game. Now, Miles Turner didn't play. Andrew Nembhard didn't play. That's two of their best three defensive players this season, maybe. Smith being the other one in that mix, right? That hurts. But th- this was, un- like, atrocious, right? The Clippers shot 57%, 50% from the field. So they were really scorching it. They were 56 for 98 from the field, right? So they were 37 for 60 on twos, right? Like, they were making everything. They got to the line 23 times. They cleaned up on the glass. They had more offensive rebounds than the Pacers. They didn't turn it over that much. Like, there was just, Matherin's word is perfect. There was no presence. There was no pressure. There was no sustained effort. Like, I heard other people who were talking about the Pacers defense when it went from awful to, like, pretty bad instead, which is, like, a, again, that's bad. It's still a bad thing, but it is improvement. It was, like, the effort was there. The closeouts were better. The focus was there. It's all gone. All that's gone. The Clippers tore them up. And, of course, the the one thing was going to be, and Scott Agnes tweeted this during the game, right? This was a clear thing that was going to happen. They have two giant wings. The Pacers can't guard those guys, and that's bad. Um, which one was going to kill them? The answer was both. Leonard and George combined for 55 points. But, like, you kind of expect that. You'd hope that you could slow down. Like, 9 for 21 for PG is not awesome. But, uh, you know, Zubac with 18 and 16, and he's kicked the Pacers butt before. And then Harden to just go bananas in the fourth quarter. 21 fourth quarter points for Harden on his way to 35 and 9. And Norm Powell was on fire and Westbrook shot it well. And it, like it, everybody was feeling it and had space because the Pacers defense wasn't there. They're not communicating well. They're not defending well. Right. TJ McConnell says, like said after the game, like they're kind of doing the scheme stuff right. They're just not doing it. Or excuse me, they're doing, they're executing the scheme. They're just not doing it well enough. Their energy, the effort's not there. Like they got to be better at defense. This is known, but it has to be beaten in even harder, especially to me with the tonal shift we heard after this game. Like it's eaten at them now that they've lost four in a row, and the in-season tournament certainly is like a dramatic, emotional come down after it. Like they've talked about that a little bit. It's hard to adjust. They have a target on their back now that's not why they're losing (laughs) you know they're playing terrible on defense they have some nice offensive things happening they've had some guys who don't normally step up show signs of growth that's all important but they uh, uh, to be rehash the talking point from all season their defense is just atrocious they are not defending well no one is like short of Neesmith McConnell nobody defended well in this game Nobody had presence. Nobody was giving the effort that was needed, and there were just a lot of open shots for the Clippers. They have to be better on the end of the floor. We'll see what kind of tweaks they make, if any, to be better, or if it's just, guys, we got to lock in. we got to get more from ourselves. We'll see what happens come Wednesday when they play the Hornets. Some other stuff went poorly for the Pacers in this game. On offense, from a lineup perspective, from how they're being defended, we still have a lot to talk about. Tyrese Halberman's lowest scoring game of the season, under 10 points for the first time in 2023. 24. We still have a lot to talk about here on the Lockdown Pacers podcast. But before we do so, I'm going to talk about the lovely people over at eBay Motors who have partnered with Lockdown Fantasy basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. How about that? Whether you are prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire in your league, every week we here at Lockdown are going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us this week and eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy picks of the week. How about a guy the Pacers just played against? James Wiseman with the Pistons. Isaiah Stewart is hurt. Wiseman's putting up numbers the last couple of games. There's not a lot of confidence in him, but the numbers are good. Braden Pajemski, a guy I loved in the draft, had in the lottery, killing it for the Warriors. Another one looking comfortable as a starter now for Golden State. Widely available in fantasy leagues. Contributes across the board. Tari Eason, a beast for the Rockets. Grayson Allen who's gonna be now in a bigger role with Bradley Beal out, Malachi Branham with the Spurs, all good options in fantasy from Josh Lloyd and he hosts Locked On Fantasy Basketball and Josh can help you win your fantasy championship while eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. It's the same with your vehicle. I missed my first car, I absolutely loved that thing. It's a shame that you have to upgrade as life goes on but you have to take care of your car to keep it running and you have to upgrade things to the parts that you want eBay Motors is your go-to there. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure that your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED, headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back so you are burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to US customers, eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Back here on Lockdown Pacers. Thanks for making us your first listen today and every single day for your second listen. Check out Lockdown NBA to hear the latest and greatest from around the association. Big win for the Bulls. Fun win for the Knicks. We're talking Pacers and Clippers. And I hosted the show with Matt Moore today. So if you want to hear me talk more about the rest of the games in the league, that is the place to do it. We continue here talking Pacers-Clippers. Fourth loss in a row for the Pacers. Over six minutes of garbage time. James Johnson the human white flag, six and a half minutes played in this game. And it's not fair to call him that today, actually. The Pacers were extremely limited in the creativity they could have. This is not why they lost. This is just a reality of the game. They were extremely limited from a rotation perspective. They were already down Jalen Smith <clears throat> and injured him hard, still dealing with their injuries. And the G League showcase starts this week. So the Mad Ants, who are killing it, they won 12 in a row. Uh, they're 13-1. I might, they might be 13 in a row when they're 14-1. They're, they're absolutely killing it. They've been phenomenal. The only game they lost, they like blew it at the fourth quarter, too. They look amazing. G League showcases this week. They've got a good chance to win it. And they took Sheboy with them. And then they took Jerris Walker and Ben Shepard down for more reps, which is great. They play uh, at noon on Tuesday, I believe, is their first game of that. So they have five Pacers, and that could be fine. The Pacers have managed without... Nemhard and Smith, but then Miles Turner in the afternoon has a hamstring problem. I can't remember the exact phrasing of what this hamstring problem was. I have to scroll through my own Twitter feed to find it. It wasn't called just a hamstring injury. Uh, Miles Turner had a sore bilateral hamstring. So now they're down all three 2A guys: Nemhard, Smith, and Turner. That's six. They they just started dropping like flies. Tyrese Halliburton was able to play. But they were also no Ben Shepherd and Jarris Walker, who were on assignment as well. They were down eight of their 18 guys. So 10 available players for the Pacers. Heald, Toppin, Jackson starts at center. Bruce Brown and Hal were the starters. Neesmith, Mather, and McConnell were the key bench guys. And then in the third quarter, when the Clippers got their lead going, Jordan Wara got into the rotation. I thought he might play in the first half. So that was their nine tonight. That's no that's fine-ish, but they definitely lost a lot at center. Now, Isaiah Jackson was phenomenal, so they didn't lose a ton. But either way, that definitely shifted, like, the way they could play. That's not why they lost. They got their butt kicked. But they could – I mean, they couldn't stop the big wings as normal. But a lot – this has been a trend-ish. Trend-ish. Let's keep an eye on this, listeners. Tyrese Halberton, the way he's getting defended is a little different. And some of that is is because he's been amazing. And some of that's because – like, guys haven't punished having weaker defenders on them on this Pacers team, right? Bruce Brown, Buddy Heald, although Buddy Heald, bouncing back today, 14 points on nine shots. Um, still definitely needs to be better. Like, they haven't quite punished those matchups in a way that you'd hope if you're the Pacers. And so, like, <clears throat> you're seeing teams right on the inbounds. They send a guy to just flash up at Halburn, right? Get in his way. Because then he can't look up the court and, like, make his reads and, and rush things in a way that's productive for the Pacers. And then when he is... Across the half court line, he's seeing more bodies and they're not letting him do his pick and roll from as far to the side. So he can get going to his right all the time and like all this little stuff that makes life harder for him. And he can't have as many drives. He's not getting as much pressure on the rim. Tyrese Halliburton's last four games now played 14 points in Detroit. He had 16 assists. He was still good. 14 points in Detroit, 22 in Milwaukee, 19 in Washington, and tonight eight, a season low eight the first time below 10, he had that phenomenal run right before this. I'm not trying to say that Tyrese Halberton's not playing well or isn't a good player. Like his seven games before the four I just said, he was averaging 32 and 13, right? Like Tyrese Halberton's a ridiculous player, but the way he's being defended in that presence, combined with he was sick and had this injury and a lot going on, like he hasn't been as effective. He'll say it. And he did not feel good about his performance after the game, he wants to be better. And he has to be better. Some of it is the way he's being defended, though. He's seeing different attention. And he actually likes that. He The way he talked about it after the game was like, part of what I like about the NBA is the chess match of all those adjustments. And so he said, I'll figure it out. And he's got to. He's got to. Because, yeah, the Pacers scored 127 tonight. That's great. That's right at their average, right? Which tops the league, but their defense obviously wasn't good enough. They got points from other guys, we'll talk about them. But if Halliburton's getting that kind of defensive attention, he's 3 for 12, he was 1 for 5 from deep. He had good assist numbers, but the Pacers didn't shoot it that well. Like, that hurts them so much. He is so much of their identity. So they've got to find a way to get him alive. And if he's going to have that attention, other guys have to, have to, have to seize the space and score. Matherin's been doing that, but they need more of it from other guys. Credit to the Clippers for that though. They have a lot of size, they have a lot of talent. They're really good. They they deserve a lot of credit for the way that they played. Okay, couple other things from this game that were a little more on the positive side. Pacers got smoked by the Wings. Um, also a small thing about Tyrese Halliburton, Credit to him after his worst scoring game of the season. Still takes a stand, gets on the podium, talking about his team, talking about the struggles, what he's doing bad, what the team is doing bad. Like Stars take that accountability, hop up on the stand and talk, even after they didn't play well or the team doesn't play well. I, as a media person, appreciate that. I think that says a lot about him as a leader as well. Okay, Ben Matherin gets a fantastic from me. He was awesome on offense. He's making all the right decisions, whether to shoot the threes, which he made three of, when to attack the basket. He got seven foul shots. He got two assists. He had six rebounds. He had a steal. 34 points. For Ben Matherin, he was getting to the rim, one of the only guys in the Pacers who was consistently getting where they needed to go through the whole game. They were getting to the rim early, but that kind of went away. 34-6-2 is a great Matherin game. His defense was eh, eh, but if you get that kind of offensive game, that's less important. He was awesome in every way, a career night for him, and well-deserved. He was absolutely fantastic offensively in this game, and as quietly, not even really quietly, it's been a little overshadowed, I would say, by, like, Jarris Walker's recent success and Isaiah Jackson, who we'll talk about in a, in a second, playing phenomenally. But, like, Jer- Ben Matherin's hitting some floaters, finding his spots, making passes. He, since the instant tournament, has been playing very well. 30 in Detroit, obviously. 14 on 8 shots in Milwaukee with 10 free throw attempts. 13 on 9 shots in Washington. He's getting to the foul line. Passing's up a little bit. Decision-making looks better. Lots of credit to Ben Matherin. Jordan Wara hit his shots. McConnell had 10 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds, plus 16 in 20 minutes. That's how bad a lot of other minutes went in this game. And Neesmith's Smith's effort and energy with 12 points and six rebounds was just phenomenal, right? They got good minutes from their bench guys. Their starters were atrocious. Um, but you know who wasn't atrocious who started was Isaiah Jackson, who is just rolling. He was kicking some butt early. He was fighting down low, he was finding spaces to score. This has to feel really good for him, I think. Just like mentally, to lose that center battle early in the season, had that, like, I I don't want to speak for him, but I'm certain there had to be some level of self doubt and, like, you know, just working on his game. To be this good when called upon all season, quite frankly, like I keep saying, uh, it says a lot about his character. Uh, He's talked about meditating and praying. He talked about that after the game today, but he also. Was just awesome these last this last week of this road trip, and I talked about Jairus with Ethan on yesterday's show. Isaiah Jackson's road trip. This is just bananas. Ten points and five rebounds against the Pistons on five for six shooting. Uh, Nine points, three rebounds against Milwaukee on three for four shooting. Twenty and thirteen in Washington. On 10-for-13 shooting, 12-4 and against Minnesota, didn't miss, 6-for-6. And then tonight was 6-for-9, 15 points, 4 rebounds. What is this run of accuracy? He has been phenomenal at finishing plays, at finding space. He has a few drives where he's like put it on the floor, he's taking a few like 10-ish foot jumpers. Ooh, is he clicking? I hope that this can stick for his sake. He's worked so hard on his game all the time. And when he keeps it simple and just can play like this he just looks great credit to him we'll see I don't know if he can play when Jalen Smith comes back we'll see how Carlisle decides to shake out that rotation but he's been phenomenal and he earned a lot of praise with the way he played no one else really did Pacers stink it up again four losses in a row Hornets Wednesday we'll talk with Kevin Bowen about the Pacers tomorrow and their struggles but before we get you out of today's show We are going to talk about the rotation for the Pacers this season and what I got wrong and what it means about the Pacers. I think this is a revealing exercise, right? I predicted their rotation before the season. How'd I do? We're about enough of the season sample to say this is close-ish to what their rotation is going to be, give or take a few minutes here or there as the season progresses and lineups potentially change. As Rick Carlisle said, we will talk about that to close out today's show. Before we do any of that, though, talk about the lovely people and one of my favorite groups over at game time who make the ticket buying process so easy they've got killer last minute deals all in prices views from your seat and their best price guarantee right on their app you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event you shouldn't have to have guesswork you should be able to hop on a ticket buying app see what you're going to see when you arrive in a seat see the price you're going to pay with no hidden fees and know that you were getting the best price because then you don't have to shop at a bunch of other places. Game Time has all of it. I know because I used it in New York to go to a Liberty game. It was super easy. It was fantastic, and their Game Time Guarantee was my favorite part for my brain. Because you know you're getting the best price. If you find tickets in the same section, row for less, Game Time's going to credit you 110% of the difference. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code Lockdown for twenty dollars. How about that off your first purchase? Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code NBA for twenty dollars off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Back here on Lockdown Pacers, thanks for making us your first listen today and every single day. Check out Lockdown Clippers for your second listen here. Darian Vaziri, talk about the team with the longest winning streak in the NBA, who just kicked the Pacers' butt. Paul George getting a spittle, I would say, a spittle of booze. His first couple touches, they were louder. They slowly faded as the game progressed. Love a passionate fan base. Um, I would not be booing him if I was a fan of the team. The Pacers rotation. Let's see. Let's talk about the first what I got right and what I got wrong. My, if you'll recall, I did this exercise in August. I don't remember who my guest was for this. Um, predicting the Pacers rotation. I think it was Eddie Garrison. And I predicted the following numbers and the following 10 guys would be the Pacers rotation this season. Tyrese Halberton, 32 minutes was was the easiest one. <laughs> wonder if he's going to start. That one was super easy. Tyrese Halliburton is currently playing 34 minutes per game. Eh, whatever. Close enough. A little, though. Miles Turner, I had second at 30 minutes. He's playing 27 minutes, but eh, close. Bruce Brown, I had third at 28 minutes. Bruce Brown, ding, 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 he's playing 31 minutes. More than I thought, but again, close enough. And then we start to teeter a little bit. I had fourth in minutes for the Pacers this season. Ben Matherin at 27. Ben Matherin's playing 25, but he's fifth in minutes. He dropped down His average has changed since he came out of the starting lineup. And then I really hit the wall because my fifth guy in minutes prediction was Jairus Walker. (laughs) At 24, I had him and Obi Toppin splitting in my prediction the power forward minutes. So I also had Toppin at 24. Toppin 24 is great. He's at 23.7. Walker at 24 is way off. Jairus Walker is averaging 10.5 minutes per game. And that's only in eight appearances. That doesn't even count. It's not rotation minutes when he plays. So that's a swing and a miss. So, only a little off on Mather. I'm not going to kill myself for that, although it doesn't feel like he's playing that much. Nemhard, I had at 24 minutes. Uh, he's been at way less than that. He's at 18. Buddy Heal, I had at 23. He's at much more. Not much more. He's at 25 and a half. Isaiah Jackson, I had at 18, but whoever the backup center was, right? The, just the rest of Miles Turner's minutes. That instead is Jalen Smith at 15, although if you take out the games, he could turn it in. It's close. Isaiah Jackson's at 14 minutes. And then my last guy was Smith at 10 although I did uh, mend that up later in the offseason, but that doesn't matter. I, it doesn't matter what I did later. And that's way off. He's at 24 and a half. So what can be learned from this exercise? The biggest misses, Smith and Walker. Walker too high, Smith too low. Everybody else within a few minutes. I was also a little high on Andrew Hart. So one, who's playing instead, right? Where are the minutes going that I got wrong? Well, McConnell... Is playing 18 games and is playing 15 minutes a game when he does play. I did not have any minutes for him because I thought Andrew Nembhardt would play more. And originally that was the case, but then they kind of shifted to playing both and they needed McConnell's energy some nights, and I thought that's the right choice when they do it. So that is one thing I got wrong. And the Another thing is obviously Jairus just being completely out of the rotation on most nights. Everything else is within like three to four minutes if you just heard me run through it. Um, but the big misses. Arnie Smith's at more, Walker's at less, and everybody else is close ish. And McConnell is soaking up the Walker minutes there, right? So, what have we learned is the Pacers were honest in that they said, you're going to have to earn it with this team. And I think that's a fine strategy to have, especially if you're trying to win. Now that they've lost four in a row, it's a little different, right? And I think Jarris is a good play. It makes you think differently about his development and his playing time in the future. But all this to say, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit, the, the, they clearly leaned more towards winning than development in a way that I didn't necessarily expect, right? I had no McConnell in my rotation. I had a lot of Jairus Walker in my rotation. I had a lot of Ben Matherin in my rotation. I had a lot of Nemhard in my rotation. The guys who were playing more than the number I put down, Bruce Brown by three minutes, uh, Buddy Healed by about four minutes. T.J. McConnell, by all of his minutes, are vets, and they're good players. They deserve to be playing for the Pacers, especially given how the season has gone. But I thought before the season, and this is key to note here, I had the Pacers at 12 predicted wins by now. They're at 13. They've been playing a little better, although not recently, than I predicted. They're a little bit ahead of the sports sportsbook right, um, prediction over under right now. But I thought they would lead a little more develop than they have. And that, I don't think, is a bad thing that they haven't. But we will see as their record progresses if they want to reflex back a little bit. Because, you know, Jarris not playing is interesting to me. Him playing in the G League makes a lot of sense this week. Like, he just had his best week. We'll see what he can bounce into there. But the big misses are just that the Pacers have clearly leaned out of, and this is telling, Leaned out of development mode. They want to win. They're playing the guys who give them the best chance to win every game. You can never fault a team for that. But maybe there is something to blending those things a little more as they're in their losing streak. But the ones I got too high on, the numbers I was too high on, Jarris Walker, Ben Matherin, Andrew Nemhard, even the backup sp- center spot a little bit, is they're young. They're young guys that I thought should play to develop eh, beyond, of course, them playing to help the Pacers win. And the ones I was too low on, Neesmith is is the exception because it wasn't clear exactly where he'd fit in, but he's earned every minute he's gotten the season. But I was too low on his minutes. I was too low on Toppin's minutes. Uh, and then the other ones are all vets. So the Pacers clearly have chosen in their position battles vets are vets and in production over development. And I think that's fine but that's where they are right now. And that is how they will have to approach any thoughts about changing the rotation is can they change it and continue down their path and goals of winning? Or does any change also come with a price of leaning a little more towards development? I had to hold myself accountable though. I was wrong about how the Pacers might approach that exercise, but they've made solid enough choices this season and totally justifiable ones at that about how their team is and the direction they are headed tomorrow. Like I said, Kevin Bowen's joining us. talking instead of the Pacers. They're losing. How can they fix it? Do they need to make any changes? Will they beat the Hornets and bounce back? What's all going on? Kevin Bowen is always very good at covering teams, being very honest and using his voice in a productive way to talk about things that are going wrong with the Pacers We'll talk Hornets and Grizzlies after those games happen this week. So lots of fun stuff coming here on the Locked on Pacers podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Much appreciated. Even during losing times for this Pacers team. I'm on Twitter at Tony R. East. The show is there at Locked on Pacers. Please direct any comments or concerns to those places. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day. We'll see you soon.